Welcome to the Calvary Assembly podcast with weekly messages from Calvary Assembly of God Church in Lexington, Nebraska. You can find out more online at lexag.org and on Facebook at Calvary Assembly Lex. Thanks for listening. Well, you know, this week is Halloween, obviously, and we do Trunk or Treat every year as an outreach. Now, I know I don't always do a great job of explaining why we do some of the things we do, uh, why we do an at-the-movie series where we show movie clips from movies and talk about it. And so I want to talk a little bit about why we do what we do as a church. Now, obviously, you see it on the door, on the door frame as you come in. It's on our signs. It's everywhere, all throughout the church. It's in the offices. We say that our goal at Calvary, our purpose for being, the reason we feel that God put us on this corner is to give opportunities for people to encounter Christ and experience a life change. Okay, some of you are with me. <laughs> we want to we give an opportunity for people to encounter Jesus and experience the life change that he gives. That's why we're here. That's why we do what we do. And the reason we do that is because Jesus gave us all, like we talked about last week, the Great Commission. He said that our job is to go into the world and make what? Disciples. That's helping people encounter Jesus and experience a life change, right? That's why we do it. And so we do different outreaches throughout the year to help them do that. Now, guys, back in the 70s and the 60s, everybody went to church, right? It was a given. You could invite an evangelist to church and half the town would show up because they wanted to hear the preacher. But nowadays that doesn't work because people don't trust Christians as much. And they really don't trust pastors as much. Uh, they did a study a couple years ago about who teenagers trust. And, you know, parents and teachers were way up there. You know where pastors were? Way down the list. Just above drug dealers. I kid you not. They trust us more than drug dealers, which is good. But as a whole, they don't. And that's why it's so hard for pastors to be able to go in and, and reach people. That's why our job, the Bible says our job is to train you guys to do the work of the ministry. And we work really hard to have a good reputation. Our staff does. You know, we work really hard in the community to, to try to pastor our community. And we do the very best we can to do that. But it takes you guys going out and doing the work. And people don't just show up at church very often anymore. You know, Christians do. But, you know, people don't just walk in off the street all that often. Some do because they hear about you guys and what you're doing. But it's our job to go where? To where they are, Right? And I love this passage in Acts chapter 17. If you have your Bibles, we're going to walk through it. Now, I put the Spanish verses on here as well. They don't necessarily line up because my copy and paste skills aren't at the best. Uh, but it, they're on there. So uh, Kathleen will kind of lead you through that. But Acts chapter 17, we're going to start in verse 16. Now, Paul is in Athens. He's in a huge city. Athens is a very metropolis city. It's a very metropolitan city. It's very popular, it's very chic, and it was kind of a thought center of Rome at the time. So he was in the city walking around, and then Acts chapter 17, it says, <clears throat> sorry, I think I wrote the wrong passage down. While Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere. I think I put the wrong verses on the screen, didn't I? Or they're in your notes. Oh, nope, I was just reading wrong. You know when he hit 40? Your eyes change. I'm right at that. My doctor said, you're probably going to need bifocals within a year. And I said, no, I'm getting there. 
Verse 16, while Paul was waiting for them in Athens, he was deeply troubled by all the idols he saw everywhere in the city. What is an idol? Something that people worship, right? He went to the synagogue to reason with the Jews and God-fearing Gentiles, and he spoke daily in the public square to all who happened to be there. So what was Paul doing? He was going out to where the people were and talking to them. He was going into the church and talking to them. He was going into the public squares and talking about who? Jesus, right? Then in verse 18, it says, He also had a debate with some of the Epicurean and Stoic philosophers. When he told them about Jesus and his resurrection, they said, what is this babbler trying to say with all these strange ideas he's picked up? Others said, he seems to be preaching about some foreign gods. Then they took him to the high council of the city. Come and tell us about this new teaching. They said, you're saying some rather strange things, and we want to know what it's all about. It should be explained that all the Athenians, as well as the foreigners in Athens, seem to spend all their time discussing the latest ideas. <laughs> what does that sound like? America today, doesn't it? Right? Verse 22, so Paul, standing before the council, addressed them as follows. Men of Athens, I notice that you are very religious in every way. For as I was walking along, I saw your many shrines, and one of your altars had this inscription on it, to an unknown God. This God whom you worship without knowing is what I'm telling you about. So what is Paul doing here, guys? He's going into their culture and sharing Jesus to them in their way. He said, you have this altar that says to an unknown God, and you worship this God, I'm telling you who he is. And guys, our culture today is very religious, isn't it? It's not Christian, but it's very religious. A lot of mysticism, a lot of different things going on that people are looking at. They're looking for ideas. And, and our younger people today want something to give their lives to. They're just not sure what it is. And that's why so many ideas are so prevalent today. That's why you see so many movements picking up steam because they want something to give their lives to. Paul went in and said, I want to tell you about this God. And verse 24, he is the God who made the world and everything in it. Since he's Lord of heaven and earth, he doesn't live in man-made temples and human hands can't serve his needs for he has no needs. He himself gives life and breath to everything and he satisfies every need. From one man, he created all the nations throughout the whole earth. He decided beforehand when they should rise and fall, and he determined their boundaries. His purpose was for the nations to seek after God and perhaps feel their way toward him and find him, though he's not far from any one of us. For in him we live and move and exist. As some of your own poets have said, we are his offspring. And since this is true, we shouldn't think of God as an idol designed by craftsmen from gold or silver or stone. Guys, what did, he, what did Paul do right there? He took one of their poets and used his quote to tell them about Jesus. He was using their culture to share Jesus in a way that they understood, right? Paul was going to them and telling them, this is what your poet was saying. In verse 30, God overlooked people's ignorance about these things in earlier times. But now he commands everyone everywhere to repent of their sins and turn to him, for he has set a day of judgment. For judging the world with justice by the man he has appointed. And he proved to everyone who this is by raising him from the dead. When they heard Paul speak about the resurrection of the dead, some laughed in contempt, but others said, we want to hear more about this later. That ended Paul's discussion with them, but some joined in him and became believers. And among them were Dionysus, a member of the council, a woman named Demarius, and some others with them. So guys, here we see an example of Paul going in 
to the Roman world and sharing Jesus with Romans the way that Romans understood it. Now, that just makes sense, doesn't it? Guys, this is Missions 101. This is what Curtis and Teresa have to go to these missions trainings and learn how to take Jesus and share him in the culture where they live. Right? They call it contextualizing. Learning how to share Jesus with people in a way that people understand. Because if they stand up in Ukraine and speak English, some are going to understand them. Some are going to say, no clue. I don't get it. And so they have to learn how to share that. And if you go to your neighbor and you start speaking to them in King James English, some might understand and some may say, I have no idea what you're saying. Right? I don't understand that. So we have to learn how to take the gospel message, which is the same forever, and share it in a way that people understand. And guys, this is what we do with Trunk or Treat. This is what we do with an At The Movie series. This is what we do when we go out into the trailer parks and share Jesus and give away bicycles. This is what we do with Vacation Bible School. We take the gospel and bring it down to a level that kids understand, right? We do this every single day. And so this is why we do it. And this is where Paul gave us a way to redeem an opportunity. Paul took an opportunity and redeemed it. What does redeem mean? It means to grab something and take it back. That's what Jesus did with us when he died on the cross. He died to redeem us, to bring us back, right? To buy us back. And so Paul's given us some ways here that we can share Jesus with people in a way that they're going to understand. And so I want to look here today and see what we can pull from this. So Lord, I pray that today you would open your word and speak to us. And Lord, I pray that you would enlighten us. You would give us ideas. You would inspire us to share you in a way that people understand everywhere that we go. In Jesus' name, amen. So first thing Paul did is he looked for opportunities. So what we need to do is look for opportunities. Guys, what is Halloween? It's an opportunity, isn't it? There are kids all over town tomorrow night. There are adults dragging their kids all over town tomorrow night. It's an opportunity that we have to show the love of Jesus to people who are going to be out anyway. And I know that Halloween is a very divisive holiday. It actually started for a good purpose. You know, way back, you know, the... The Druids believed that on Halloween, on this, this equinox or whatever, that the veil between the living and the dead was really thin, and dead people could come across to our world, and so they wore costumes so their dead uncle wouldn't find them and exact revenge for whatever they did. Or they would come pull pranks. So they wore costumes so they wouldn't understand them. And they would take gourds, and they would cut them out, little, and little holes in them, and put candles in them to help the spirits light their way, you know, like they need to find their way wherever they're going. Well, then the Catholic Church took that day and, and the day before called it All Saints Day. So they'd have a day of prayer before all the evil on Halloween. And so it had a good reason, a good purpose, but then it kind of became a cultural deal in America to go prank your neighbors, which I am all for as long as I'm not the neighbor, right? <laughs> I used to be a really good prankster when I was a teenager. We had a group that would go around, but anyway, um, I don't want that back, but then they would go and they would say, you know, I can trick you or I can get a what? Treat. I can get candy from you. So it kind of became this cultural deal. And guys, most kids today have no clue the origins of Halloween. All they know is I get a bunch of candy from people. It's a cultural deal, right? And sometimes as Christians, we can make it a lot more than it really is. But it's an opportunity. And so Paul took the opportunity to connect with the people on their terms. He went to them on their terms. He went into their world. He went into 
the place where they debated, and he talked to them intelligently about Jesus. And guys, when we have an opportunity like Halloween, we can sit back in our houses and hand out candy on our porches, or we can shut off the lights and watch movies in the basement so they don't know we're there. (laughs) Or we can take an opportunity to say, hey, come to us and let us give you a bunch of candy and popcorn balls and cider and tell you that Jesus loves you. It works, right? And I know some people get very offended when we do chunk or treat because they say, you're celebrating Halloween. No, really, guys, what we're doing is we're taking an opportunity to connect with the world on their terms, to show them that we're here. We want to talk to you about Jesus. We want to love you. We want to share the gospel with you if you give us that opportunity. We have to be intentional. And Paul noticed their curiosity, and he used that curiosity to point it them to Christ. Guys, there are a whole lot of people that come through Trunk or Treat, and all they do is come get a popcorn ball and cider and candy, and they leave. But I've seen some of us have opportunities to talk to people, right? They're curious. What does your church believe? Aren't you the ones that swing from the chandeliers and the lights? Sometimes, right? But it's an opportunity. When they sit down, when Tim and Brenda take their pictures, it's an opportunity to talk, right? When we hand out popcorn balls and Bonnie and Gina are in there and they say, hey, here you go, have some cider, have a popcorn ball, God bless you, that's an opportunity. So what we're doing is trying to take that curiosity and point it to Jesus, right? Use those opportunities. And guys, on Halloween, there is so much curiosity about the spiritual world. People are really interested in what's going on behind the scenes, and we have answers, right? We can tell them about what Jesus is doing. We can tell them about the work of the Holy Spirit. We can tell them about good and evil and that Jesus is going to win. Actually, he's already won. We can tell them those things. And when I was a kid in, in Missouri, there's a lot of superstition back in Missouri. I was terrified on Halloween a lot. You know, I thought demons were going to come grab me and drag me to hell, you know, from my bed. I watched too many movies. But then when I became a Christian, I found out Jesus already won this thing. I thought, what am I worried about? But we can tell people that, right? And Paul met them where they were. Halloween's a cultural tradition, and we can meet people right where they are. Right where they're at. They're coming to us to get candy. We can meet them right where they're at and just love them. It's not a bait and switch. We're going to give you the candy whether you listen to us or not, but we just want to love you. Because Jesus loves you. And what is, what is the, the picture out there people have of churches? What are the generalities they make about us? That we're judgmental? Because that's where we're being pointed at. That's how we're painted in the media right now. Oh, there are those that don't love these people and these people. No, we're saying, hey, we're going to love you. I'm not always crazy about the costumes, you know, the ones that drip blood and all that stuff. Creeps me out a little bit. I'm always worried some psycho, actual psycho is going to come in and, you know, have a mask. We don't know they're there. But we're going to love them anyway, right? We're going to show them, hey, I care about you. I love you. I'm going to give you candy. I'm going to let you play a game at my trunk and all these things. So they expect us to be standoffish. They expect us to be judgmental. We can show them, hey, we're just here to love you. And you know, the first year we did this trunk or treat, there weren't that many that came, right? Every year it gets bigger. And every year we give away more popcorn balls and more cider because they say, hey, that church kind of likes us. That church wants to give us candy. That church has given me a safe place to take my kids so I don't have to go door to door and worry about fentanyl and their candy. And that's why we do it, to show them love. And that's what Paul did. 
And then we look for connections. Paul looked for a connection. He was in Athens, and he said, I want to find a place to connect with these people. And that's what he did. He went and he connected with them. He used a religious connection. He went to the people who were religious, to the synagogue. And he used that religious connection to talk about Jesus. And this is some of the things we can do, guys. Anytime, anywhere, not just on Halloween, but anywhere, we can talk to them about Jesus. He said, hey, I'm going to talk to you about this idol. You're worshiping a God you don't even know. Let me tell you about him. His name's Jesus. And guys, some of the people we come in contact with are going to be very religious. How many of you know people say, well, yeah, I'm, I'm a Catholic. Oh, cool. What's your priest's name? I have no idea. I don't go. I'm just Catholic, right? I remember when I was in Colorado as a youth pastor, and the Baptist pastor and I in town were going through a, a training together to be a sheriff's deputy. And uh, so this guy came in, and he was training, and, and I'm sitting right next to the other pastor. We're both new in town. and said, hey, I'm Officer so-and-so, and... And I go to First Baptist Church. And the guy said, oh, hey, nice to meet you. And he said, yeah, who are you? And he said, I'm the pastor of the Baptist Church. And he said, oh, how long have you been here? And he said, oh, I've been here about a year and a half. And he said, nice to meet you. He <laughs> was hilarious. Yeah, I go to this church, but I haven't been there in a year and a half. And that happens. So we can take those opportunities to share people, say, hey, yeah, you might, but let me tell you about what Jesus is doing in my life. And so many times we're nervous because we say, well, what if they ask a question I don't know the answer to? Well, I do say, I'm not really sure, but let me get back to you. But let me tell you what Jesus has done in my life. And what he's done in my life, he can do in your life. And he used a cultural connection to talk about Jesus. He quoted a local poet. He used a cultural connection. Something that the people knew about that was part of their life. And he, he said, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to use this to tell you about Jesus. This is what we do with the movie series. We do this so you can take that and say, hey, yeah, have you seen this movie? Well, hey, look at, look at this parallel. This is cool. So we, he used a culture. We can do that with music. We can do that with books. Use it as a springboard to get in there and talk about it. Because, guys, the gospel never changes. Right? We don't change the gospel. We just change how we share it. We see how we talk to people about it. Because it's always different. And that's what Paul did. Missionaries go into a country, and they find ways to talk to people about Jesus. When we went to India on missions trips, we found ways to talk to the locals about Jesus. We used some of the things they understood and used that. When you go to Chicago, you know, we went to Chicago, and we were trying to tell people about Jesus, and they were really interested in us because they had no idea where Nebraska was. We could have told them it was up by Alaska. They would have no clue. And we say, Nebraska, say, are you farmers? <laughs> well, some of us are. Do you guys have Wi-Fi? Do you have plumbing? Yeah, we just got it last week, actually. You know, like, they had no clue, but we were able to use cultural connections to talk to them. And they used a local connection. He used a local connection to talk to them. He went where they were. He didn't say, hey, you know, come out of there and meet me at the synagogue and we'll talk. No, he went where they were. He was willing to go to them. And guys, we have to be willing to go in and talk to people about Jesus wherever we go, whether it's our workplace, whether it's our school, whether it's over the fence to our neighbors. Wherever it is, we need to be willing to go and make those local connections. And guys, they, like I said, people expect us to be standoffish. They expect us to be judgmental because that's what they're told Christians are. We have the opportunity to show them that's not who we are at all. You know, when I went to 
France. A couple of us went to France a couple years ago on a missions trip. We're hoping this summer to go back and work with Manny. So start saving your money. Get a passport. We went there, and I had this picture of French people, you know, because it's always, you know, French people are snotty and, you know, all those things. And I met quite a few who were, <laughs> to be honest. Like, You're American? I don't want to talk to you. But I met a whole lot who were really kind people. And I said, yeah, I'm really not sure where that stereotype comes from. And they said, we thought the same about you. We thought all Americans were jerks. <laughs> there are some, a lot, but not all, right? And so we're willing to break those barriers down and talk to them. And that's what we have the opportunity to do as Christians, to go into their world. Now, I'm not saying if you're an alcoholic, go to a bar. Don't do that. But go find people where they work, where they are, and just share Jesus. And sometimes the easiest way to do that is just by being kind. And then using that opportunity to talk. Because we have to earn that right to talk to them. And then lastly, we point people to Jesus. We point them. We use opportunities to point people towards Christ. Not just to be a nice guy, but to point them, to talk to them. And we have to earn that right, guys. If you meet them for the first time and start talking about Jesus and about your church, they're going to shut you off. But if you spend time and you get to know them and you love them and you become friends or even good acquaintances, then you have an opportunity, right? Because they know, hey, when, when tragedy comes, I'm going to go to this guy because he knows how to pray. I'm going to go to her because she actually listens to me. And what Paul did is he was willing to have an intelligent conversation with them about Christ. He was willing to engage them where they were and talk to them and say, hey, I'm going to have a real conversation. I found the coolest story online. I have this news feed. Uh, it was on my Google feed on Friday. It was a, an article from Inc. Magazine, which is a business magazine, back on October 25th. And it was about Legos. How many of you like Legos? Anybody? If you go in my office, I have several Lego Star Wars things in there I, I like to build. I like them more than my kids do. It's kind of weird, but it works. But there was a seven-year-old boy who wrote a le letter to Lego headquarters saying he wanted a job. <laughs> he wanted to work for Lego. And he said, I'm willing to come in on the weekends, after school. I want to show you how to build these things. I really like Legos. And he was from Europe, from England. And his mom said, you know, you're probably not going to get a message back. But good job. Good try. Well, he got a handwritten letter from the CEO of Lego back. The guy took his time, and he said this. Let's see. Dear Thomas, thank you so much for your letter. It is great to see how excited you are for Lego building, and all your creations look fantastic. We would love your help to design even better products. But unfortunately, all our product designers are sitting in Bolin, which is in Denmark. <laughs> we would still love to invite you to visit our office in England together with your sister and your parents, for a juice, tea, and coffee, and a tour of the building. My office is called Dumbledore's office, just like the box attached. Let us know what time works for you. All the best, Christian. The CEO of Lego sent him a, a Lego kit, which is probably worth a couple hundred dollars, and a personal letter saying, I'd love to meet you. I'd love to talk with you. Come to my office, and we'll talk. And then his mom said that letter absolutely changed that kid's life. Because he realized there were people out there who really cared. And so she said that it really, really changed. And I love the line that this guy said. He's writing to business leaders. He said, let me find it here. Who Thomas will someday be, just like who you and I are and have become, will largely be due to the words and actions of other people. So he's saying this seven-year-old is going to be shaped by the people around him. Most of those moments at the time will have been small and seemingly inconsequential. 
Only when we look back can we connect the dots. That also means we never know when our words or actions might make an impact on another person. A little encouragement, a little acceptance, a little praise. Small actions, fleeting and even insignificant to us, but possibly life-changing for another person. Christian didn't know how Thomas might react to his letter. In a broader sense, he doesn't know what Thomas's future might hold. He simply took time to respond. It was a small moment to him, but potentially a huge moment for Thomas. Hmm. You could see it as someone who took a few minutes out of a busy day to respond to a child. You can never predict when a small moment will make a big difference. I love that. This is an article written to business leaders. You never know when a small moment might make a big difference in someone's life. Guys, as Christians, we never know when we're going to have an opportunity to point somebody to Jesus with a small gesture. It may be as small as handing them a bag of candy on trunk or treat. It might be as small as holding a door for them. It might be as small as offering an encouraging word to a coworker who's going through a hard time. You never know, but God does. So we take those opportunities to go into people's world and point them to Jesus with our actions and with our words. And Paul realized that some listened to his message and some didn't. It said that some of the people laughed at him, some mocked him, but some listened. Some became Jesus followers after that because of that. Some said, hey, I want to hear you again. Would you come talk to me again about this? And guys, so many times we're nervous and we're sharing Jesus because they say, what if I what? Mess up. What if I say the wrong thing? What if I offend them? But guys, our job is not to convert people. Our job is simply to share Jesus, and what they do with that is on them, right? We do it the best we can. We do it in love, but it's not our job to make converts. It's Jesus' job. That's why we say our goal is to help people encounter Christ and then experience a life change. So all you have to do is be faithful. But then Paul was willing to keep that relationship open. They said, hey, I want to talk to you again about this. Guys, it may be years before somebody makes a, a decision to accept Christ. It may never happen. But how many of us can say, because one person was willing to talk to me, eventually I became a Christian? Yeah. It took years. I was a bonehead, guys. I was hard-headed. I was stubborn. I wanted to do things my own way. And it was years and years and years of vacation Bible school teachers, my grandparents, my neighbors. They probably thought I was one of the worst kids they'd ever seen. But little did they know, down the road, those seeds would bear fruit. And I became a Christian. Because I know there are people I've talked to for literally 10 years and then Al invites them to a men's encounter, and they come. Like, what? Really? It was just that over and over and over. And now, did it work? I don't know. Only time will tell. But it's that constant willingness to talk. So, guys, I'm going to ask the worship team to come up this morning. If you're willing, if you're physically able, would you stand? I want to pray together this morning. And this is just a really simple message, but it's something that can really change people's lives. So I'm just going to pray that all of us would be willing to take those opportunities to go into people's world, to make those connections that God gives you. And one of the things I do is every day I'm like, Lord, would you please give me divine appointments? Would you just help me to see the opportunities you give? Because again, it's not our job to make those connections. It's God's job. He brings us to the right place. Our job is to be what? Obedient, to be faithful.
It's our job to take those opportunities that he gives us. So, Lord, right now, we just pray that you would speak to each and every one of us here in this room, to each and every one of us listening online. God, would you use each and every one of us to go into people's lives and to share Jesus, to share with our words, to share with our actions. Lord, to take those opportunities that you lay before us to see them and to be faithful. 